right, and welcome to another episode of Autodesk Digital Builder Podcast. I am your host, Eric Thomas. I am in the Autodesk Gallery in San Francisco right now with Ariana Alviar, a senior production manager at The Bolt Company. We are going to talk about all things lean construction, IPD, some technology things, and I'm just excited to be here. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. It's, it's an honor to be here. I'm glad you invited me and looking forward to our stocking here. Yeah, we had such a fun conversation when I tried to convince you to come on to this show, just talking about everything that I alluded to a minute ago. And your team is doing some really interesting things with lean construction. And what I'm most excited about today is not just to say, okay, manufacturing has done lean before, we need to do lean, but you started sharing some things that went a bit deeper on how and why and what you're doing. So that's going to be fun. And so to start off, could you tell me a bit more of what that actually means? Like, what are you doing at Bolt and, and what the heck is lean construction? So lean, to me, it's a smoother and more reliable system of delivering a project in a way that it adds value to the stakeholders. And when I mention stakeholders, it's not only the owner, but it it's the owner, the end users, the architect, the general contractor, and the rest of the trade. So everybody. And at Bolt, I am, like you mentioned, a senior production manager and implementing a production system across the company. And, and that's a unique title that I haven't heard very often within the realm of construction. Could you tell me a little bit more about your responsibility and, and what that really means on the site? The way I would put it is I am a mediator or the connection, the link between what happens in the field and what happens at the office. It's all about communications and sometimes there is a big gap there and I'm helping translate that message of, hey, how are we gonna build this project and communicate that across the entire team? And I appreciate you mentioning communication. And I think anybody who's worked in construction understands that they're, I'd say adversarial is not the right word for it, but there's sometimes a gap between the field and the office and some tension. And so having somebody who's very focused on bridging that gap and empowering everybody seems like it has a, a tremendous value for the project you're touching in your overall organization. But spinning back to lean again for a moment, I think there's a lot of myths and misconceptions about what the heck that actually means within the realm of construction. Are there any myths right now that you just love to do away with or things you hear regularly where you go, no, that's actually not true. Please stop saying that. <laughs> there are many, right? But I would focus on one is people think that it's too much work and therefore it costs more money. And yes, it is a lot of work, but it's a lot of work up front that makes the rest of the process a lot easier yeah. and more predictable. And then the other thing I would say is that people think that it, takes only a few to commit to implementing lean practices and it doesn't really work that way. Yeah. You cannot be in a project where only the owner is lean or only the general contractor is lean. You need to be able to get everybody on board. This is true collaboration and you, everybody needs to be a part of it. Everything you mentioned about communication barriers a minute ago really makes a bunch of sense. Could you tell me how you're adopting some of those lean methods to, to remove those barriers? It's, it's easy to talk about at that high level, but I'm, I'm interested to know, like, what about lean really does make that big impact for communication specifically? It is all about communication. <laughs> there is a great quote that I always reference from the book The Toyota Way by 
Jeffrey Liker, and it says, the problem with communication is that it's really hard to understand why others misunderstand what we clearly understand. Yeah. So everybody interprets words differently. Uh, and when it comes to com construction, when it's very technical, it's even more complicated. So the goal is to ultimately get everybody to the same understanding, which is not an easy task at all. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not straightforward. And how we're tackling that issue in our projects is trying to describe the work that we are going to do very carefully mm -hmm. and making sure that everyone is getting to the same understanding. So exactly what you're going to be doing, who is going to be doing it, and the most important factor to me is by when. So we you always refer to who, what, by when. Yeah. And that feels very actionable. It is. Yeah. So it's it's clear what the action is, who the person that's responsible for the action, and a true commitment on when you're going to get it done by. And again, talking to how do we tackle this communication issue is we, in our teams, we really challenge the use of the words. We even have in our project a list of words we don't say. Nice. And so, for example, you have should or hopefully or maybe or even sure. So it's completely different if I hear for somebody saying, hopefully I'll get it done by Wednesday versus somebody saying, I will get it done by Friday. Yeah. I'd much rather have you tell me I am 100% committed to being done Friday, which is two days after Wednesday. But if you say hopefully by Wednesday, it doesn't mean anything. No. Because you can, you can plan against that Friday too. Now, exactly. you, now you're not saying, okay, now I've passed that expectation upward. And then Wednesday shows sure. up and everybody goes, what the heck? And you go, well, I said hopefully. And now you're like, oh, geez. Okay, yeah, and this Friday. came up and, and, and you don't know if you didn't make that commitment on Wednesday. You don't know if it's going to be the next day or a week after, right? Yeah. And, and we understand though that things happen, right? And that we need to replan for those things. So that's the other thing that we challenge our team members and train them to speak up. Hey, I committed to doing this, but this happened. Now I have a constraint in the way and I'm not going to be able to meet that commitment. So yeah. raise your hand as soon as you know, so that you can give the other team members a chance to replan for the commitment that you made because now they're not going to get that information or that work done. They depend on that to continue. And I think what you're describing, it forces people to be more intentional about the language that they're yes. choosing and selecting. And unless you're being mindful of that, it's hard to step into that box. And I think what you said, it's not just the owner that's adopting that. This is an entire project conversation that you're having then because yep. you go, these are our expectations and everybody's empowered at that point to check somebody if they say, hopefully. You go, you said, you said this, like, when can you really get it done? And now everybody has a, a more meaningful response and approach and expectation. Absolutely. And it's also about how, how you build that culture because it's a culture. Yes. How do you build that environment so that you make it comfortable for people to have those sort of conversations? I mean, in our, our, in our project, it's kind of fun. People are calling out like, hold on, what did you say? Did you say sure? Yeah. Or did you say yes? <laughs> uh, did you I say see you maybe? With people there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, come on. And it's just 
you know, people are making fun of each other. It's it's a fun environment and yeah. and but at the same time we're getting things committed and people holding people accountable. And it's it does set a very serious expectation though. Like you can you can make light of it in the moment to make sure yes. everybody has it, but what you're telling me is you've created a, a safe space to actually call that out too where exactly. it's it's okay to be like what you said even I don't like what you said right now, but it's not a confrontational way. It's we, we've built out this this guideline to say, how can we be more intentional to ensure everybody has the right expectations? Yeah. And I, I really like that. That's that's a couple of clicks deeper into some of the lean communication that I've heard really implemented instead of the the high level. I'm reading a book and you know getting the yeah. <laughs> the, the theory behind it, but the the execution seems to be a bit more meaningful. So the other part of it that very important factor in communication is, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. And that's a big part of my role. It's how do you draw a picture of the plan? So as people are talking about what we're coordinating or what we're designing is, hold on, what do you mean by that? Because nine out of the 10 times that somebody is explaining a process, then if I put it on a drawing saying, okay, hold on, are you meaning that you're going to start the work on this end of the building and then jump to this corner and then finish here? Yeah. Nine out of 10 times I get it wrong. And, or maybe I do get it right, but if we're 10 in the room, there is a high chance that one did not get it right. So if we want to align and get to the same understanding and then you tie the words with a drawing, mm -hmm. something on paper, so that at the end, you can sketch what the plan is. And I don't no longer need your words to explain what we're going to do. So I'm constantly challenging our team members in our meetings to hold on. Do not just talk. You know how we have nowadays a lot of remote meetings and coordinations. Hey, can you just pull up a plan or floor plan of what you're describing so that we are all under the same understanding of what area of the building you're talking or what steps of the process you're talking. So that really is important to wrap that goal of everybody getting to the same understanding. And the visual aspect that you're talking about is, is such an interesting one. And it makes sense, I mean, especially in the realm of construction, because we have plans, we have you know BIM models, we have all these things that you can visually represent and help everybody have a, a more aligned expectation and understanding. For some reason, this made me think of something I experienced from when I was in Mexico City last, actually. And if you ride the subway in Mexico City, all of the stations have or the stops have names, but they all also have a picture associated with each station that is consistent. And from what I was told from my friend who lives there, that's because not everybody speaks Spanish, but also not everybody's literate. And so there's indigenous people that come into Mexico City. And so those visual representations of each one of those stations was a more equitable way to ensure that somebody who had a more diverse background or something was able to have that same understanding as me who could read the Spanish word that indicated the station. And it, it feels like it's very similar. Absolutely. It's so, again, big part of my role is drawing that picture of the plan of how we're going to build this project. So what, what we do is we, I take the master schedule, which is a very high level schedule. We're used to, if you've been in the industry, you can read a Gantt chart type of schedule, right? We take this to another level because a Gantt chart view doesn't necessarily tell you how you're going to move across the building. What are the handoffs across the different phases? So we start with that high level, then we break it into construction phases, and then we draw this pretty visual 
again, it's hard to explain it just with words. I wish I had a picture here. <laughs> <laughs> But we run pool plans of those specific phases of construction, and then we understand what that construction phase needs to start, and then what's going to be the end product for the next phase to begin. And then on top of that, we add maps of each of the phases. So say we're talking about foundation, I'm going to break it into two zones. Or if I'm doing interior build-out, then I'm going to break it into four zones, and, and we apply a lot of tack planning for specific areas of the building. And then we put all these up on a wall. And I actually just had a meeting two days ago with our superintendents and they stopped me in the middle of the process and say, hey, I just want to thank you for building this wall. Yeah, It's just so easy to understand. And we actually put it in an, in an area of the, of the office where everybody's walking by it. And so anybody that walks in that could not be involved in a day-to-day basis, maybe some executives, right, that just come in and, hey, see, let's see what the plan, what's the strategy to build this building. They can stand in front of the wall and in 10 minutes, okay, this is what's going to happen. And what has happened also is that some people that just spend some time on the, in front of the wall understanding the strategy say, hey, hold on, this is not right. So calling it out and then just huddling up and say, okay, thank you. We're going to replan this. And it's not something that happens overnight, right? It's a lot of reoccurring meetings with smaller groups and then the big group and validating what's going to happen. I'm thinking of a cartoon that I, I've seen years ago. And I love this path that you've built out because it feels like it's more obvious as far as what you're actually going to be out doing instead of just saying, here's the schedule, here's the words, head off to this. You're working on this side of the building today, so go do the thing. And it was just this, uh, I think it was somebody who painted the floor of a room and they paint themselves back into the corner. So they're like, they're painting, 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 and then they're back in this corner where there's no doors. And I feel like everything you're sharing right now <laughs> would eliminate having that accident happen because you've got it visually and you go, oh, if we go from front to back, we're going to have to wait until this dries until we can leave or ruin all the hard work we did. And obviously what you're doing is at a much bigger scale than I've painted my, my floor of my house or something. No, but, but absolutely. But, you're, we're tackling also a safety issue and a quality issue. Yeah. Ultimately, the goal is to have a continuous flow, not stopping the work. So everybody spend enough time planning the work so that when you start, it's an uninterrupted flow and you provide a better product to the end user. It makes sense. And when you're working on a massive project and you have so many contractors and specialty contractors out on site, having more visual granularity to where everybody's going to be and how they're doing it. I mean, you've been on all those sites where there's too many people in the space at the same time to meet your schedule or deal with change conditions or some rework or whatever you might have going on. And It can be chaotic, and to be able to, to sidestep some of that, it sounds like a, a huge deal. Like, I'm really very much enjoying everything you're sharing from this far. It's, it just has a lot of very obvious value, even if it does take some work up front to get to the state that you're in today. And so, 
Of course, lean concepts have that deep history with the manufacturing world. It's something that Jim Lynch here at Autodesk talks about as far as the, the convergence of design and manufacturing, construction and manufacturing. And I feel like some people kind of shrug their shoulders when he talks about that. I don't think that's the case at all. There's so much to be learned. It's just the application of it in construction is a bit different than just a standard automotive assembly line. The, the overlap is different. But can you tell me more about how you've been able to successfully embrace more types of automation and eliminate some of those manual processes at the bulk company? Technology is a big part of it. And at the end of the day, it's a tool, right? It helps you be more efficient and, and have the information readily available faster. So especially when we're looking at repetitive processes, if you know it's something that you're going to repeat all the time, then you know, spend some time. It's worth your time and money. Yeah to evaluate the process and think about, hey, if I'm going to be doing this every month or every week, I might as well just spend eight hours, 20 hours making it simple. Instead of taking me an hour every month, it's going to take me 10 minutes if yeah. I just input the data. So we're constantly, it's part of the lean practices is just continuous improvement. So always be thinking, how do I, how do I make this process easier for everyone? And especially when you have instances where you need to grab information from different sources and it takes you a lot of time to ultimately get to the information that you need. Yeah. That's where we have implemented trying to automate those processes using other tools that are able to connect those resources to, to create a faster outcome. Or just spending, even if it's in like an Excel spreadsheet that you always need to input things and ultimately need to create a report or a dashboard, then spend some time trying to automate those processes to make it easier for everyone. Yeah, there's obvious value there. But I think two points kind of come up for me. One is it comes back to your culture part of our conversation earlier. If your organization doesn't have a culture where you're empowered to spend that eight hours to do that thing, you're still going to get stuck in that I'm doing this for two hours every two weeks anyway, because somebody goes, oh, we don't have time for that. You have to get out on site. And so it's, I think it's a bigger picture in just helping people understand and invalidate that there's, there's reason to do these things. Absolutely. And I think I'm lucky to be working for the bull company because they truly encourage that because they see the value. Yeah. So I encourage people to demonstrate the value that it brings. And that's how they've let me implement some of the things. I spend the time in doing them and say, then you're going to get this fast. A, a good example is in my current project, you know, the issues with the supply chains that we, the industry's going through. Yeah, big challenges and right now. We usually have procurement logs and then we have our schedule and we have that information usually has to be updated here and then updated here. And the schedule has a bunch of information. It's, it's too much, right? And sometimes you need to focus on a specific issue or a specific part of, the, of that schedule. And so the current scheduling software we have, we have all these procurement items plugged in there. What we did is we sat down with our trade partner and said, okay, give me a list of your, all your long lead items because we need to make sure that we release this procurement as soon as possible, because we don't know what could happen. And so what we have, we've built a, a report with another tool that extracts the information from the schedule for those specific items. And then we create a dashboard that tells all the companies 
lists are listed, how many long lead items they have, and if they're on track or if they're late or if there's a risk with it. So we have an interactive da dashboard where you can click on specific items or companies and, and, and see what do we need to focus on, right? It, it, it's too much information. And the idea is that you put aside the ones that are on track and good and what are the areas of concern so that we can swarm on the issue and see, hey, do we need to release this at risk? Because it's a smaller risk than just waiting when it's 100% ready and we have all the design, you know, 100% oh, sure. done. And that has helped everybody, I guess, see the big picture and make better decisions. So people, the executives that have found value in it, I spend a lot of time putting this together. But ultimately, they have access to the information very fast. This is updated on a weekly basis and we check, are we good? Yes, no, we need to decide on this and decide whether we need to take the risk or not to release a long lead item because otherwise we might not get it for two years. Yeah, and it makes a bunch of sense, especially today with, like you alluded to, the, the material supply uncertainty that we're all dealing with. It's, it's a challenge right now. But the other aspect of that is, as our schedules continue to seemingly get more and more compressed as far as expectations from owners and turnaround times, not having that visibility where there is so much built into the schedule where it's just in time delivery where you go we need this on tuesday and it is going to show up on tuesday at 10 a.m and if you don't have that visibility tuesday at 10 a.m the thing's not there and you've got a crew standing around going yeah all right well we can't install the hvac now because all of this stuff isn't in that needed to be in here before that and right. that blows your schedule up and you know if you're doing federal work like i used to do <laughs> the, you stare at the liquidated damages in your you know contract vehicle and you go all right well that's not good yeah <laughs> so where uh, amidst all of this with, you know, the dashboard improvements we've had and the technology changes, where do you feel that humans still really have an important role in the process amidst all of the automation, the technology implementation that we're seeing in construction? Decision making, I'll say. The technology is just helping us make better and faster decisions. So we, we still play a, a very important role is allowing us to focus more on what the issues are. And also, because we're getting to those decisions faster, we're able to also attend more needs from our customers. So the, the, the word that I always bring up in this part of these conversations is, is it's augmentation. It's not replacement as far as automated Absolutely. technology or robotics or anything that we're bringing out to the site. It's, it's how can we empower people to do what people do well? And how do we take the things that either they don't do as well, or they can't do at a scale that technology can apply to it and take that away. And so it's not, you've lost your job because we've automated the thing. It's you get to go home at 5.30 today instead of at <laughs> 8.30 today, which was such a challenge. And it's still a challenge. I, I very much so. And I just remember those 12-hour days where I go, I have two proposals due tomorrow. Both of them are worth $250 million. One's due at 10 a.m. and one's due at 11.15 a.m., how am I going to get this done? And yeah. at that moment, especially because there was no purpose-built proposal management pre-con stuff existing when I was still doing that at different GCs, you did that by working until midnight. And that, it's not sustainable. And so any way we can help people, you know, focus on those those good things and take some of the the time spent or the time wasted or things that we just can't do at scale, it's, it's a win for our industry. And it's a win for the people that we work with Correct. every day. 
So I know you've been a part of some big projects that have embraced integrated project delivery or IPD. And I was hoping we could learn a little bit more about that experience. And before we go too deep into it, could you explain exactly what the concept and incentive for adopting this type or other similar types of delivery methods really bring instead of something more traditional like you know design build? Absolutely. It's an IPD, which is an integrated project delivery system. It goes beyond a contract because it's a type of contract. I'll say it's it's a culture that you get invited to. It's sharing the risks and opportunities. It's really collaboration because it's saying, hey, we're all in this together. We're thinking as a whole. It's inviting everybody to be thinking what's better for the project instead of our only focus on your scope yeah. of work. The minute that you you share those risks and those responsibilities, you're committing to solving them better, faster, and also speaking up when those issues arrive, as soon as they arrive, because that's the key component in this in this delivery method. Yeah. We're all in this together. So if you notice, hey, even if it's something you messed up, hey, we messed up, we didn't take into account this cost, we overlooked this, you need to just speak up. And as a team, we will figure out, hey, how are we going to compensate for that? And how are we going to solve this? So it's true collaboration. It's a really transparent environment. And the key component to this is that you are delivering a more predictable project. That's the beauty of this. Because you're constantly collaborating, constantly checking on how you're doing, you're able to forecast how you're going to finish. Or this constant replanning ahead of time or soon enough so that the mistake or the issues doesn't impact you as much as it would if it wouldn't have come up or if you wouldn't have made it visual. Yeah. And, and that's why lean projects or IPD projects, the majority of them compared to any other traditional delivery system are finishing on time and on budget. And there's another maybe funny thing to mention, but I find it very interesting. This current days where we're finally acknowledging mental health. Back to your point of, hey, now you're not you're working eight hours instead of 12, 14. It is this environment, this true collaboration, it it creates a real good environment where the morale is very high in the team. I'm not saying it's easy to do. It's a lot no. of work. Yeah, it's it's a mindset change for sure. But it, yes, and so it's it's fun to go to work. You enjoy it. And so it's a very nice environment and something that you feel proud of. At the end of the project, it's like, wow, look what we did. This is just amazing. I, I, I like how you mentioned that because there's there's so much that goes into making the decision to try something like this. And there's often hesitancy. And I understand that because there's so many people that you need to get on board and, and comfortable with this very big change in how you look at your contracts and how you work at look at how you collaborate together. And the example that you used a moment ago of I saw something that's wrong and whether it's my fault or not, I'm going to mention it right away. And that's big because in some of our more traditional methods, there's generally going to be a window where you go, especially if it's your mistake, 
how do we do the CYA where we go, how do we protect ourselves yeah. in this situation? And it's understandable because the contracts are designed in a way where they're a bit punitive depending on who has made the mistake or who's behind schedule. But if you've created this culture to, to bring everybody together and you can honestly say, hey, I made a mistake and that's okay, everybody has the shared benefit and reward Correct. of fixing that problem. And that's tremendous, but it takes an owner that's excited about a bit more of a progressive methodology. It takes a, a contractor who is comfortable in setting some of those examples and, you know, working really closely with your trades partners. I'm sure it'd be more difficult to bring in all brand new parties into a brand new IPD project of a bunch of people who have never done it than old players who've done this before or an owner who does this on every one of their projects. And it's, you know, just the expectation. Absolutely. I would say the the owner, in my experience, it's a very key component. If they're in, I mean, that makes a difference. And it's not about only saying, hey, I'm going to do IPD and I'm going to build a lean project. You need to actually act on it and behave like it. And the owner sets the example. The owner has to be involved in all these meetings and set the pace. They need to they need to set the example, their behavior as an IPD partner, they make everybody else follow through. And they're the biggest component to, to this group. Yeah. If your owner's not on board, well, you're, you're not even going to have that yes. option on the table for the most part. I'm not saying you cannot do it. Yeah. I mean, we, we need to start bringing more owners to convincing them that this is, this is worth it. And sometimes it's just going to take a GC or even one of the, the trade partners to have had that experience and, and inviting them, hey, let's try this. We'll hold your hand and, and bring you up to speed. It's not an easy task, but absolutely, it's more difficult if the owner is not on board. And again, just coming back to your, your mental health point too. So construction is a wonderful industry. It's a collaborative industry. There's a brilliant people working here doing incredibly innovative and exciting things. But the challenges that come with some of those older contract vehicles and the long hours and the safety issues, like, unfortunately, like, there's a heavy predominance yeah. in suicide in construction as well. And more people are talking about that and talking about mental health in a way that has impact. And it's encouraging to hear that there are some solutions that can find paths to hopefully mitigating some of that because we can't do nothing. It's it's yeah. a really scary and, and challenging situation within our industry. And so I'm hopeful that every time we get to have a conversation like this, it might turn the idea light on in somebody's mind and they go, this is something we can consider to making our projects, of course, more profitable, more on schedule and everything else. But for me, it's we're thinking about our people and it's not just the mental health piece, it's also the safety piece there's so much tied up into it. Absolutely. Nowadays, it's harder to find the people in the field that want to do that work. We're used to people just coming and doing the hard work and just fighting it off. But the reality is that it's tough. Yeah. It's hard work that we do. And we're finally acknowledging that. It's not for no reason that we have this high rate of suicide in the industry. And so... If you create a culture where the entire team is focusing on making this process enjoyable and, you know, fun for everyone, that translates 
it's just contagious. Yeah. And we need to care for those people. And that's going to invite, we need to change the industry in that sense. We have to. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, at this point, it's no longer an issue. And even if you want to, you know, step outside of the, the health part and just taking care of your people, there's also the business side. And, you know, I, it, it sucks to talk about it in that framework too. But, you know, the amount of people that we have to work with and the fill these roles, we have to make sure it's a desirable industry to work for. Yeah. And when, you have to work too long and you're out on site for unnecessary hours and you haven't found ways to make it more of an equitable and fair and honest conversation for how people feel and the way they're performing, it's going to be a challenge. And even just back to the, the safety issue, if you're on site for 12 hours a day every day, you're going to make mistakes. And mistakes are accidents in construction. And that's not an easy thing to digest. But any of us, I, I have stories, unfortunately, of people being seriously injured on projects. Anybody who's touched this industry for a very long time knows somebody that they were probably close to that has had something happen or a close call. And so all of these things, all it all comes together in, in something that I'm encouraged by, but we, we have to yell louder. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And so I think we talked a decent amount about what's different about IPD projects. Is there anything that we should highlight that, that does still feel the same? Like, is there a consistent thread that we should highlight too, where it's, it's not all different, but it's a, it's a reframing of, of how we approach construction? Ultimately, the project is going to get built no matter what. You still need to follow steps and there's a sequence of work that it's there. Yeah. The way we build buildings does, isn't going to dramatically change because of your deli delivery exactly. method. Exactly. It's, I would say, it's just better quality. It's better for the people. Back to what we were just discussing. It's just true collaboration. And I think it just makes better professionals. Because of this collaboration, we're talking, I'm learning your area of expertise. And there's so many technical parts of in the industry. It's You cannot do it all by yourself. You need to involve everyone. So, I don't know. I think it's very different in many senses. Yeah, it, I, I think you're you're on the right track, though, and it's it's just identifying those areas and qualifying to everybody else, which which leads into my next question, actually. And we we alluded to this a minute ago, but are there strategies that you think we could adopt or different ways to better convince project owners or other contractors to to really think about adopting these different delivery methods, and especially if they're uncertain or we see a lot of people that are resistant to change, unfortunately. Like, do you have any, any guidance for somebody to, to try to, you know, bring that to an owner that might not have been thinking about it before? Yeah, certainly for owners, it's, it's about the value that they're going to get, right? We implement a target value design. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, the owner is going to ensure that their money is put in what they value the most, right? As well as having a predictable outcome. They're going to be on time and they're going to be on budget. The majority of the owners that have made this transition can tell you, especially if it, if they are in the business of just building facilities, yeah, for like instance. Serial healthcare. builders, they do this over and exactly. over and over again. Yeah. They can tell you like, hey, before I was every time I had this percentage over budget, like that week, it was just unpredictable. Yeah. Now we know what's gonna happen. So we plan accordingly. And and then for contractors. I would say that, again, it goes back to this collaborative environment and making us better professionals. It's just 
you're not only focusing on putting blinders on and saying, I'm just going to look at my scope and then you do your thing, I do my thing. It's just, it's building a better industry with it. It's just very interesting and it's a great accomplishment. Yeah, there's there's ways to qualify the incentive for, for yeah. the different stakeholders you're talking to. And I, I chuckle a little bit because we've heard over and over again, no construction project is the same. And of course, to a degree, that is that is true. There's, there's different circumstances. You're building in a different spot. The weather might change. Yeah. There's a lot of unpredictability tied to whatever you're trying to do. But from what you've been alluding to and what you've been sharing here is, Adopting things like IDP, IPD and, and lean methodology allows you to bring more of that predictability back into your projects, especially the value. I don't think it'd be overstated, especially in the, in the state of today with materials and labor shortages. And like we're in the Bay Area right now, we've had crazy weather in the last few weeks. That's atypical and surprising for the region. And so being able to control more things within the, the realm of, you know, feasibility, it, it feels like there's a huge win, both in the realm of just saying, okay, let's, you know, go lean on our projects and adopt this, or let's look at some different delivery methods that might be more collaborative than we've been in the past. Absolutely. Is there any specific technology that you've seen that really has helped jump into IPD projects or adopt more lean methods that you think would be relevant to highlight? I think the biggest one would be BIM building information modeling. Mm -hmm. We do, we're basically building virtually the building in, we have multiple iterations of it. We make sure that we build it enough times so that when we go to the field, we're only executing that one time. So it, that is the biggest, I think, transformation or like impact that the, that the technology has, has provided us. And there's so much data to be pulled from BIM models these days yeah. as well. And it, I think it's it's continuing to grow. It's almost a little scary, I think, sometimes because <laughs> we have so much data. What do we do? Listen to earlier episodes of the podcast if you want to hear about data strategies. I talk all about that because I'm, <laughs> I'm a giant data nerd. But the level of detail that you're able to get and the nuances and not just... I see what it looks like now, but it connects to everything. And when you've adopted the right platform and everybody's in a common and data environment, suddenly the visibility into the what and the why and the how, I think, yeah. is a whole lot more accessible than it's ever been in the past. I, I'm excited to see how all of these things iterate because it's a noisy ecosystem in construction technology right now. Yeah. And it can be overwhelming. But as we find ways to marry those pieces of technology and make sure that everything is connected in a way that really truly adds value, I think you know, we're going to continue moving forward in a, in a pretty impactful way. I'm, I'm excited and optimistic, even if we continue to have headwinds and challenges. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking forward to any progress that happens there, but we're in a good path. So I've got one final question that I ask everybody. It's a recurring one. And it's, what is one tool that you always bring to every project that you work on, no, no matter what type of project it is? I would say my production strategy template. These, what I used to build the wall where I draw the picture of the plan that I was mentioning you. Nice. You're, you're going to have to send a photo or two of one of those <laughs> to me. I, I'd really like to take a look at it because the value that that very obviously, even not being able to see it myself right now, brings to your projects, especially when you've built this collaborative environment, it's huge. And so I, I'd, I'd love to take a peek at it. It sounds pretty cool. Absolutely. And is there anything that you're working on right now that you're excited about or you'd like to plug for people out listening right now? Yeah, I'm working on standardizing this process of 
this production strategy and system across the company. So I'm looking forward to making it a valuable tool for the for every team out there. That's fantastic. I, I think you've shown the value of that so strongly just in this conversation without any visuals, which is funny <laughs> since we're we're talking about creating contradicting <laughs> visuals, but we're you know audio leaning format. Although we uh, this is being filmed uh, and you can watch it on YouTube or anywhere else if you're listening in Spotify right now. But I appreciate you taking the time to share some of your wisdom with me today and just getting a better glimpse into how we can implement lean in a, in a more meaningful way than you might catch from a, a high level blog post that says we got to be lean because it's important yeah. and have a nice day like that. We, we got into some grit today and it's, it's good. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And I just hope that I have motivated somebody to start trying it. I think we've uh, we've made a fair start today. And for everybody out there listening right now, thanks for taking the time to join us on this episode of Autodesk Digital Builder Podcast. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest a guest to me for a future episode, you can find me on LinkedIn or via Twitter at builder underscore digital. And as I mentioned a moment ago, we are in the Autodesk Gallery today. It is a beautiful space. So if you are listening on an audio-only version, you should head over to YouTube on the Autodesk Construction Cloud channel. There you can watch this episode and a whole bunch more. And also, finally, I'd be a terrible podcast host if I didn't ask you to go out and rate our show. I think we deserve five stars. Hopefully, Ariana agrees today as well. But if you could just open up your app, find Digital Builder, and throw five stars our way, I'd sincerely appreciate it. And on that final note, goodbye. <laughs>